Welcome to Grounded, a podcast by Inspiring Time. I'm Amber Card, floral designer turned military spouse and entrepreneur. It is my goal to share stories of growth, struggle, and success. Expect lots of laughter, inspiration, and coffee as we navigate life's adventures together. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram with the handle at Inspiring Time, T-H-Y-M-E, and the blog, InspiringTime.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel and leave me a comment or review. Now, on to the show. Holy smokes, Christopher Card is back. He's back. Hi. Hey, what's in your cup? Uh, Blue Point Brewing Company IPA. It says, unlike any other. And we're not drinking coffee right now because it's too late in the day. There is a there is a point. Yeah, there's that fine line where uh, you say, oh, stand by coffee. This is beer time. Beer time one. Beer time because today we're talking about bum, 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 the military lifestyle. Nothing? You got nothing. Oh, yeah, yeah I'm sorry. You were looking at me. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. First question. So this is a question and answer game where I shall ask Christopher questions and he shall attempt to answer them. User questions. Here we go. Here we go. Can you please define what active duty means? <laughs> they yes. own my soul. Yeah, yes, I can. Um, so generally speaking, you know, we have three major components of the way you can be in the military. You can be active duty, a guardsman, or a reservist. And I'm going to speak in broad terms. And, you know, there are always exceptions to every rule. But since I'm in the Air Force, we call it REGAF, which is regular Air Force or active duty. Then the reservist, which is still federal. And then the guard, which is each state controls its own um, units there. So the, the big thing is, as an active duty member, you are full-time, always in the military, et cetera. If you're in the Guard or the Reserves, think more of the commercials where it's, you know, one week in a month, two months a year, et cetera. So who— Al- Although we actually—you're full-time uh, folks in both the Guard and the Reserve, which just makes it wonky for everybody. But. Okay, so who owns you when you're active duty? The the federal government. The federal government. Okay. If you're in the reserves, who owns you? Well, if you're a traditional reservist, uh, the federal government owns you one week in a month, two weeks a year. <laughs> or if you come in to do other duties, they own you. Otherwise, you know, Walmart does. Walmart. Hmm, or wherever think, you work. I think you could do better than Walmart. Yeah. Okay. And then so guard is state. state. And that's why you see guardsmen come out to help with state Right. Disaster relief, humanitarian aid, et cetera. That is a state function as far as, you know, separation of powers, et cetera, go. Okay. I think we are clear as mud on that. Um, I'm Guys, I'm still trying after how many years have we been in? Uh, 16. 16 combined yeah. with a few of those. Um, and we're still trying to figure out all the letters and lingo. All right. So... We have, I've had several people ask me some questions, and I thought it would be fun to answer these because the public wants to know, first question, Christopher Card, how do you meet people in the military? <laughs> he hides well, under the couch because he doesn't want to meet people. That's what That he is only mostly true. Um, <laughs> no, it, it, you know, when, 
for so again, speaking from the Air Force perspective, I suspect you know the other branches things are different, but you know we all we have our squadrons and your crew position sections, etc. And you know you just socialize, and in passing you learn people's names, you meet them, and I. You know, I, I see. I don't really know any other work setting other than the military, so I don't know how to compare that to you know if you worked at Goldman Sachs or something. Uh, well, you'd have to wear an actual suit and not a a onesie. Suit. Yeah, wearing a onesie to work is amazing. So, from the spouse perspective, um, when we get to a new place. I don't have the luxury usually of having an actual nine to five or whatever that job time frame looks like. So I take the kids, this is my favorite thing to do, and go to the park. Yep, I take my nine and 11 year old to the park still. And we go meet fantastic people from the community. They help give us um, great advice on restaurants, where to get your hair done, all the fun things you want to know about a community, and that's kind of how I go about meeting new friends. Now, they might find it quite peculiar that I'm, like, running up to them going, hi, hi, hello, how are you? Um, and they usually don't freak out too bad once I start talking to yeah. them. And usually that is more effective because, like, where we are right now in our squadron, we have folks that live in about a 40-mile radius around the base so you know people that live on the west side 40 miles you know their sense of community is vastly different than ours so getting out in your local little enclave or whatever you want to call it and kind of figuring things out does work a lot better and that just gives us one more tie to the community super quickly to transition ask questions i get all sorts of social um, interaction platform connections so I can reach out and find out answers quickly. Now, this is kind of funny. Do bases have get-togethers so you can meet people? Y'all, we're like feral animals when we get here. Let them loose. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... <clears throat> <laughs> different. <laughs> I'm trying, let's let's say this the nice way. So, different agencies on base do different things Very differently. Nice. I'm plotting. So plotting. I'm in ops. Uh, so we actually fly and do all that stuff. And so ops thing, equals operation. Sorry. Yeah, so things that we do and experience and say and love and etc. is vastly different than you know what the shoe clerks do. So. They are typically afforded more time to party plan and do things like that, but we still do try to have, you know, like a squadron get together, you know, grill out, you know, bring everybody in, all that. And it doesn't always work, but, you know, we, we do what we can. And I, I find that in each, you know, we talked about the act of the reserve and the guard, all that looks very different because the guard is usually, this is a very generalized statement, very non-social when it comes to base work because they're just there for weekend work and they have lives outside of that reservists you it's a hit or miss they could be full-time there all the time and then active duty you're in each other's business all the time you're literally every family member (laughs) everybody knows everybody's business it's worse than going to a small town church i mean that's how bad it is 
It's true. So there are organizations on base that could potentially help you meet and greet. It is better to do it authentically and do it yourself. That way, they're not telling you how to make friends. I don't like that. I don't play that game. I'll make my own friends. Thank you. Moving on. Um, let's see. Let's, let's jump into the, like, the deployment area, because it seems like a, there is a lot of miscommunication through movies of how this thing actually functions. So are there military traditions when a family deploys your, your answer, sir? Well, let's see. When we were at Dias, it was everybody came out and we either got on the iron or the rotator and y'all were allowed to see us through the line last hugs and then we left and you know that was it so i don't know if that's considered a tradition or not um when so spouse perspective the guys are uh, the personnel that is leaving they're just trying to make sure that they have checked all their boxes there's all the forms been filled out all their stuff is stowed their minds in the right place to get on the rotator and get out of there the spouses however are feeling a little overwhelmed because they're going and you have six million things to tackle while they're gone now for tradition so yes the line is very traditional i would say it's more tradition when we come back when you come back yeah. is where the tradition so comes in. so back to the leaving part you know it was always fun when you'd get there and they'd be like well the rotator's broken uh we're slipping 14 hours come back tomorrow and after you've already you know told the dogs goodbye told the kids goodbye and you know and then you yeah, get sent reset. home and, you know, so. so there's that. But I would have to say one of the most emotional tear felt, you see the the things on YouTube where the, the dads come into the gym and surprise the kids. Let's just be very realistic. That doesn't happen quite as much as what you're led to believe. There's a lot of staging that goes with that because... When the if, pers- if somebody comes home early, that means, generally speaking, somebody had to leave stateside early to go replace that person. So there's a lot of logistics to that. And yeah, anyhow. So but- when the guys, oh, personnel, get off that plane, um, all the spouses are usually behind a chain link fence on the flight line. There's tears. There's... Some people dressed to the nines, literally in cocktail dresses. There's some people dressed in their PJs because they just rolled out of bed. And that depends on whether you're a first-time deployment spouse or 12 times in. Yeah, because after the first time, you realize that you have to come in and do um, the in-processing line. And they've got to you know, draw blood. they got to do all these things. So, so you don't get to leave. It's not that amazing reunion where so, you're yeah, flying exactly. off into the sunset. Nope, you're waiting so in you, a line. You get off the rotator and instead of sitting there and chatting and hugging and all that stuff, you do the high five butt slap and try to get to the front of the line to get through the line as fast as you can so you can leave. And on another note, usually if they've been deployed to the Middle East, there's no alcohol consumption allowed in those countries. Some, some, some places. Uh, again, now. we're being very generalized here. Um, but usually a beer of some sort or something is handed to the member. Yeah, this is where squadron dues came in good, where, you know, there'd be, you know, a cooler or, you know, keg or something like that. So big hugs. I mean, allegedly. allegedly. Oh, yeah. Totally. Totally allegedly. Yeah, Yeah. definitely not. Um, 
And so then the question also asks about yellow ribbons and how that works. Normally, we try not to put out there for reasons that the spouse is deployed. Yeah, that's yeah. We we can go down a rabbit hole on this. We can. Uh, the the yellow ribbon. So there's the yellow ribbon program, and then the actual yellow ribbons and all that. And it's one of those very well intentioned things that has a lot of consequences to it potentially. And we just we have chosen to stay away from it. And I think that's we just need to leave that one there. Um, absolutely, show support time on trees, but it's it is a rabbit hole. Um, however, fun signs at that uh, fence are always fun. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of other ways to get around that as well. Okay, next question. If you were sending a care package, what would you like to receive in a care package? Yeah. <clears throat> so again, from a Air Force air crew perspective, we are not at FOBs. We are at bases that have BXs, and so you Which can is go like buy, Walmart. Yeah, so you can go buy whatever. But what we did always like to get was fresh coffee. Um, I deployed with some guys, and we were all coffee connoisseurs, and we would grind our own coffee in the morning and cook, you know make it up and everything. And so whenever we got a package with you know a new four or five pound bag of coffee in there, we really enjoyed that. So, so coffee is definitely a commodity yeah, over and, there. And pl- understand, there are plenty of Army and Marine guys that are out at FOBs, and they're eating MREs every day. So anything they get is amazing, I suspect. But There again, we're speaking <laughs> from the Air Force, yeah. our personal experiences. Yeah, experiences may vary. <laughs> and do, often. Um, but I know when Christopher has deployed, he has enjoyed taking... Did we do it? Was it a pillowcase that I put our picture on? Yeah, I think so. That and a blanket. Oh, the yeah. fuzzy blanket because yeah. where they were, they they could actually get the AC down low enough to where it felt cool-ish yeah. in the room. Well, you have a rule. You set the AC as cold as it'll go, and if you get chilly, you use a blanket. You don't ever touch that AC <laughs> again. So if you do, we'll break your fingers. That's right. Break them right off. Um, there are plenty of organizations that do send care packages. Yeah, USO, uh, you know, for people that are inclined to donate and support, you know, the USO does good work. Um, Starbucks used to send uh, so much call. Like, we didn't even know what to do with it. We did it with so much. Um, there were a couple others. We got a bunch of Girl Scout cookies sent by some organization one year. I mean, like, literally a pallet of Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> and unfortunately... There it was in the middle like, of summer. Yeah, there were only like four boxes of dosi dos on there, which is BS. <laughs> and uh, anyhow, neither here nor there. I digress. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Let's see. So that's really deployment. Um, you know, it's it's tough. Um, as a spouse, a lot of times I've heard, "Well, you knew what you were getting into." I also call your baloney because I didn't grow up in a military family so I had no idea what in the world was happening when we got married um well and to be clear you know my first point like we did not have internet we did not have phones available you got your three minutes x number of times a week whatever it was and that's that's what you got you know subsequent deployments you know we had a little bit of internet now you know basically everywhere people walk around with cell phones so 
And vastly different. With um, the current climate changing and us leaving where we are currently, um, that's all going to look a lot different too until the next thing changes. So it's just a, a revolving door of change, crazy yeah. adaptability and resilience. Okay, here is a fun one. A lot of people have seen our post about the white claw throne. And so the question is, what fun traditions, are there fun traditions after specific training? And how do you go about with that tradition? Yeah. So, you know, I was a navigator first before I became a pilot. So I was uh, the old guy in the class. I went to UPT. Pilot training. Pilot training. And, um... Anyhow, we had uh, done a Huravac and taken a bunch of the planes off station. And we get there, and the DO, Director of Operations, looks at me because I was the senior ranking officer and says, All right, Major, you've got uh, 42 lieutenants. I'll see you in three days. And I was like, Oh, well, this is fantastic. Fantastically. So, yeah, so we're in Charleston, <laughs> South Carolina. Um, there's a bar there called Reds. Uh, great food. Um, anyhow, so oh, shameless plug for Reds. I love yeah, Reds as well. Shim Creek. So anyhow, um, night progresses, etc. And uh, we send one of the guys out to go find a liquor store. He cannot find one that's open. But what he does find is this box of seltzer water. <laughs> And uh, he sends a picture back and goes, "Hey, boss, I you know couldn't find a working uh, liquor store, but I I got this." And I was like, "Guys, you don't even know." Anyhow, so he comes in with like two cases of White Claw, and so anyhow, the moral of the story is after this weekend, White Claw became the unofficial sponsor of our class, and um, every time we had a get together, we would have that. So coming towards drop night, which is the night where you find out what aircraft you're getting. We thought Which is be, a huge yeah, deal. Yeah, it's a really this, big this, deal. Yeah. This is actually part of the tradition part yeah, right this here. This is a big tradition. I mean, wasn't a big deal for me because I'm a full-time reservist, so I knew where I was going. But, um, yeah, yeah, there's that. Uh, anyhow, so we had taken a couple pallets and cut them apart and made a throne out of them to put up on the stage. So as you were being told what you were getting, that would be there. And then we took you know, all these white claw boxes, you know, flattened them out and, you know, stapled around it and everything. So we had a white claw thrown. And about this time was when, you know, those seltzer drinks were kind of getting popular and everything. So it was, it was pretty neat. We were the first class to do it and everybody thought it was pretty funny. And then, um, we burned it in the backyard after that. So. Because tradition, you got to have a fire, must have a fire and there must be lots of con- commemorating and all the fun things that happen in between. So when it comes to traditions, the military does it big. Um, It usually does not necessarily start with a particular thing or a training ending. Maybe that it does with a training ending, but it's not necessarily one specific tradition. It's kind of what that class says, okay, this speaks to what we were doing and the fun time that we had or lack thereof. Right. And, and this is how we're going to commemorate it. So that's how traditions morph in the military. Yeah. All right. I think we're going to kind of close out with this one because this is a hard one. <laughs> and so we're going to throw out a few things here. What is the best strat- strategy to transition from single parenting to co-parenting depending on the class schedule deployment of the military personnel? 
So I'll I'll take the lead on this one and let Christopher because traditionally, since I'm the one here with the kids, I guess I'm the one who gets to be on both sides. When he heads out to do a TDY temporary temporary duty temporary duty temporary duty yes um you know that could be one week that could be three weeks he could get stuck overseas who knows but i go into full-on single mom moment um and it's very critical at that point that your children do not eat you alive okay write that down (laughs) children can't eat you alive um you have to be compassionate enough to hear what they're saying to you, but you also have to know when to shut them down because you. <laughs> well, you can get run ragged, especially now as the kids have gotten older and they have activities. So like today, as we're recording this, it's Wednesday afternoon. Um, we actually don't have activities. So that's awesome. But if you've got activities four or five days out of the week, I mean, you know, that stress level builds up and the go, 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 go builds up. And you can't let that just take over everything. And so Christopher's big thing was always when we've done mostly TDYs since um, the kids have been born and around. So shorter stints, but still it's a disruption to their schedule. So when he's gone, all he can offer is moral support to me. Like, you can do this. You're doing great. I believe in you. Don't burn down the house. Those are all good words. However, on my end, it looks like survival mode. Get him fed. Get him clean. Get him into bed. And just hope that the next day goes just as well. Um, When co-parenting comes back, though, there's always a little bit of a transition depending on how old your child is and what your family lifestyle looks like. Yeah. And for us personally, we've never had an issue with it. Uh, the, the biggest learning curve was I deployed two weeks after peanut was born. And so, you know, by the time I came back, you know, she was a, she went from being like this, you know, little wrinkly sausage to a, an actual child. And, um, you know, Amber had her sleeping through the night and all this other stuff, but it was a big learning curve to know, you know, this is the schedule, this is how this works and everything, and, you know, you know, kind of integrating into that. So, And that's very interesting hearing from Christopher because I don't know that side. So when he comes home, he's thinking I, it is like I left it because why wouldn't you think that? Um but coming back in and like you said, all the schedules and all the changing and it takes the military, the military personnel just as long to get used to the new routine as what you've created. I think the biggest tip that we could give any parent in this single and then co-parenting situation, open line of communication, just put it out there, be very honest and be willing to listen to what they're saying because yes single parenting is more of survival mode and co-parenting is a little bit more a little bit more relaxed right no that's fair because you know if you've got two kids and two parents and you can do man-to-man defense but if it's uh, one and two you got to play zone and lord knows i'm not a good enough athlete for that so all right guys that is where we are going to leave you So if you take nothing else away from this, it's the military is kind of complicated. It's kind of crazy. 
it's everybody's mostly, experience is different and you might not ever find another person that had our experience so uh probably not but um we are the most fierce loving group of family you'll ever meet so don't you know that's that's just how we roll so anyways guys until next time so glad christopher could join us Thank you for joining in. If you have questions about the military that we can potentially answer, feel free to send them our way. We'll see what we can do. And we'll uh, talk to you later.